Hello, friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast, where we believe that making things matters. I'm Lyle Smith, your host, and I'm a writer, a storyteller, a marketing professional, a former and sometime journalist, a negative COVID tested fellow today, but someone who remains under the weather this week. I'm sure you'll hear it in my voice, and I apologize for the sound. Uh, And I remind you that none of that matters right now at this particular point in time. What matters is that I have another great story of someone who makes things that matters for you. Uh, Sunshine Woodyard. And yes, as it says in her bio, that is in fact her actual name. And through this conversation, I discovered that the name does indeed suit her personality very well. Sunshine is many things. She is owner of several different businesses. She's an entrepreneur. She's been a college professor, she is a writer, a storyteller, a sharer of stories, a sharer of ideas, a maker of things that matter to her and her clients. She is a marketer, a digital marketer, a digital nomad. She is a widow and now she is a newlywed. And she has many, many interesting perspectives on the world in which we live. We had a fantastic conversation a couple of weeks ago. I recorded it and here it is. I know you'll enjoy it. So, hey, congratulations. You just got married, yes? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? How's all that? It was absolutely perfect and amazing. Yeah. California, it was raining all day, and then the skies parted right as it started, and it got sunny, and it was beautiful, and it was wonderful. Fantastic. Where where were you again? You were? Sonoma. You were in? Oh, very good. Sonoma County fantastic fantastic so it, it's funny i feel i feel odd asking because um i was just listening i was re- doing my research and i was just listening yeah. to a podcast you were on um about being a widow yeah and, and now i'm saying congratulations you're also a newlywed right <laughs> so so what's the you know i mean i mean a lot of the, the the widow stuff you were talking about was was your your research into it and your experience of it and, and all yeah. that and how other people deal with with that, um, you know, those changes in life. How how are you feeling right now? This is a, this has got to be an interesting um, moment. Yeah, it's even more joyful, I think, because of having had the dark side. So yeah. it makes you really appreciate every little, even just normal good life is really amazing. And then when life is really great, like wedding times and beautiful family stuff, then it's just even like overjoyed. I think overjoyed is the word I've said quite a bit. Oh, but, um, yeah, and we and we still the community. I'm still in the widow community, and I actually still lead a monthly um, chapter, which a, a virtual chapter where we meet um, online. And so we kind of consider like we don't consider yourselves ourselves already not a widow anymore. It's still something that is like changed the life for me and other widows so it's something that we still I still want to give back and especially give hope to people who a lot, we get a lot of people who are fresh who like just lost their husband so right. I try to offer like um a, a vision of a future that they can have joy again so oh that's fantastic well it's interesting I was listening to the 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 uh the podcast the interview and it was uh, a lot of it was about um, actually those, those exact things is, is mm-hmm. that how, how life changes, life goes on. Um, and, and how, uh, you know, other people, maybe the, the family of, of the, uh, of the deceased is, uh, f- feeling odd about, you know, the spouse going on with their, with her life yeah. case. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to get hung up on all this, 
I find it very interesting as a driver for a lot of the women that I've met is a lot of them ended up either taking over their husband's business or learning from things that they've heard, overheard, you know, and creating something even bigger and better because you have this impetus at that point when that your life changes in that way, that it, it's your responsibility to care for your children. And so it was a, it's a very um, sudden shift from being like, okay, I can work or whatever, but to being like, this is, it's all me. It's all on me. And so I, it's, it, I find it very empowering because it's like, okay, what am I going to create? I have to do something now. And how am I going to do this? And what am I going to do to make it great for the whole family? And that's, it, it, it's it, it, a lot of the women in history that were widows have made, like the woman, the inventor of champagne was Madame Veuve Clicquot, who um, she, it was in, in France and she discovered how to make bubbles. And so now that, and many, you know, that's, a, and then also the head of the Washington Post, um, Catherine Graham, was a widow of suicide as well. And she um, went on to just completely take over the world. You know, she was a, she's a famous and amazing publisher of the Washington Post. So it is like a, it forces women to become all the, the great possibilities that they may not have thought of before. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's amazing. Cause it's, it's really, um, not amazing. It's just, it's empowering is the word you used in it. And that's mm -hmm. what comes to mind is, is how you can go from, um, such a, a dark period in your, in your, in your life and your psyche, um, to sort of taking charge of that and moving on, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and living your life. Cause you do have to, you do have to go on. Well, you, you yeah. don't have to, you don't have to go on. That's, I guess that's really what the issue is, yeah. but you, you, choose, you choose to go on. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's cool. You know, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to get hung up. I don't, I don't really know the story of, uh, of how your, your husband died, uh, or any of that. I, I'm, I'm happy to say congratulations mm -hmm. of what's of this new chapter of what's going on. And, uh, I don't know you well, but, mm -hmm. um, I do know, um, I want to ask your name, uh, and what I do know of your personality seem to match very nicely. <laughs> uh, is that a natural thing or do you have to work at that? Oh, very natural. So I, I think that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of the best kind. And I think um, my my dad, you know, it was my dad's idea. And he, they, they just had this vision of who, I was born in the Florida Keys and they wanted they were just very joyful people and um, still are. And they, I, when I grew up in DC, um, it, it was very weird and people didn't, even my early career when I was working for airlines in Washington, DC, it was really, but it was kind of strange. I was like, why is your name bad? What's wrong with you? Are you making, is that pretend? What, you know, it didn't work there <laughs> as well. But now in Florida, I moved to Florida about 20 years ago. And it's obviously, it's been wonderful now that I own marketing companies with that name. It, you know, people take your phone calls. <laughs> so right. it's kind of a good door opener. And, mm -hmm. um, and I do think it's, if you've met my parents and they were just at my wedding and they, they are so enthusiastic, excited, energetic, joyful all the time and so it's you know it was they it, it, it's easy to carry on that spirit and the name just makes it makes people expect it so that's good oh, fantastic i mean it's because you were born in uh isla Mirada, right um which is funny it's it's i moved here to to florida seven years ago mm. so 
uh, from New Jersey, and I discovered that most of the people I ran into were not native Floridians. Okay. New Jersey, uh, mostly. <laughs> yeah, they're all from from kind of where I come from. Yeah. Uh, at least at least where I live now. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting when I meet someone who and and it and there's a there's a variant. You know, it's not right. uh, not everybody who is a native Floridian is sort of the same. Right. Uh, um, well, I left when I was four, so I, I didn't. Um, it wouldn't have influenced my education or upbringing. And so, <laughs> it didn't and, you know, stick. It just was where we went on vacation and I thought it was great. So it was, you know, it, I, I, I think it's even better as a marketer having the perspective of someone from the cold north being like, I know how much I dreamed of just sitting under a palm tree in the sun. You know, you know, winter is right. bitter and horrible. It goes on and on and on. And it's just like, all I want is just some sun on my skin and a palm tree. And so I, I get what people want when they come to Florida, you know, That's so awesome. I think if you grew up here, you're just like, oh, same old, same old, but. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I get I get torn because uh, I live here on the Space Coast where we I can see rocket launches from my driveway. Yeah. And um, I'm always amazed. I think that's just I think that's yeah. fantastic. And we you know, I see, oh, there's a launch and my son and my wife and I, we go out and we, we watch it if we're here and, and, and get kind of inspired and, and think about space and yeah. sci fi and all that stuff. Uh, I met. I've, I've met astronauts and, yeah. and aerospace scientists and all this stuff. And I talk to people who grew up around here and they're like, nah, it's just another launch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get that, <laughs> but, uh, I try not to judge, but I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so you grew up, well, you were born in, in Isla Mata, but you grew up in DC, you said? Yeah. Washington, right outside of Washington, DC. Right. And you're a, and what's interesting, what I want to talk about is, is some of the things I want to talk about are, you know, this, this concept of being a digital nomad, having, you know, multiple businesses that you have, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I was introduced by, why our, our mutual friend, Scott introduced, mm -hmm. introduced me to you, uh, was he was just so, uh, taken with, with sort of how many different things you have going on at any given time. And, and, and they're all so wonderfully, interesting and, and successful. Um, do you come from an entrepreneurial background? Um, yes. So my father and mother, they, they do a lot of real estate investments. Um, but when growing up, my dad, um, had several different jobs, um, and all within government consulting. Um, so basically like worked for Ross Perot getting, um, contracts, getting government business oh, wow. and then went off on his own doing that as a consultant rather than as an employee. And, mm -hmm. um, he, his, his final, um, contract that he worked on was the Jedi, which is the largest federal contract ever. And he won it for Microsoft. So he's, um, he leads like teams of government, um, proposals, you know, the, the, you know procurement That's large government contracts. So he, um, has done that. He'd been on his own for about 20 years. Um, and, uh, taught me a lot about sales and, uh, and interestingly now he's retired and moved to France, but is now working with my company. Um, cause I, and he realized his brain was too good to waste. You know, he's, just, <laughs> he's like he's almost seventy, but he's not. I mean, they walk; they're super fit, and they lead tours, and they do all this great stuff. And it's like, why are you going to not use your brain ever again? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's fantastic, though. But it's, it's, is, it, is it is it satisfying working with your dad? Yeah, he loves it. It's a you know it's something you you miss having like a win, right, or an accomplishment. Like you know, they had a, they have an amazing life, and that now it's what he does is just basically on his own terms time-wise. So they just will be like, okay, we're going to Italy for a week and uh, we're doing this and that. And, and that's, they're still doing everything they want to do, but when they're just at home, he um, is working on 
highest, the highest level sales with um, one of my companies. So when, when really hot, hot leads that are his level come in, we, he works with them. He takes, he takes over, takes the yeah. lead on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because that's, that's, that's what I like to talk about here on this show is, is, is making things and, and the mm-hmm. idea that, that people, um, you know, whether you're making something for yourself or for your business or for the world, uh, that's, I, I think that's important. And I, yeah. I, I discovered this after doing numerous interviews, I, I discovered that this is what the podcast is about, yeah. uh, which was kind of interesting to me because I just started making it, you know, and yeah. I thought, okay, well, let's, I want to, I want to go capture some interesting stories that are out there that I, I know people have to tell me yeah. because they inspire me. And, uh, after doing, you know, 12, 15 of those, I kind of realized uh, we weren't talking about business so much we weren't talking about um even entrepreneurialism if that's a word um much we were uh, we were what we were talking about is what you do what you make right and then why that's important to you yeah i love that and, yeah that's something that we my fiance and my husband oops husband and I, um, <laughs> we, we're um, both landmark graduates and landmark is a program that um, is very focused on being in a space of creation so their, their kind of core value is integrity and their biggest, um, it's just a, you know, they have different lesson classes and things that we go to, but um, being a powerful creator is the, is the core of that. And that you create whatever you're experiencing, you've created that. So, and you continue and you, you look at, if you have a problem, you don't complain about it. You think, okay, what do I want to create for this situation? So um, it's, it's very, that having that mindset has, has transformed a lot of my business ideas as well that's that's kind of wild now i want to I, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of this but i i think i want to ask more about this because uh i find just in my own experience because i i do not come from an entrepreneurial yeah. background uh you know my dad was an employee he was an at&t employee uh for most of his career and then he was uh with the uh, the ieee for you know mm-hmm. 10 or 12 years um but sort of a corporate, he's a corporate leader, yeah. you know, but not, not an entrepreneur. My mom was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're part of the, the larger machinery of something as yeah. opposed to going to start your own thing. I did not really get an entrepreneurial interest until mm-hmm. um, I met my wife, who is, mm-hmm. who's a, uh, an acupuncturist. She has her yeah. own practice. Her father is a veterinarian, has two practices back in New Jersey uh, that he's trying to sell so he can retire right mm-hmm. now. But, uh, and one day my wife asked me, you know, I was frustrated with something and, and she asked me, could you do this on your own? Yeah. And I said, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think I could. And the next thing I knew I was, I was doing my own thing yeah. and, um, and, and, you know, falling down and picking myself up and learning and, and all that kind of stuff. So this idea, um, and it's only recently that I've, I've kind of come to this on my own without being trained in it. Uh, this idea of, of like, I'm, I'm actually making something I'm creating, right. I'm creating that destiny for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting for me to hear you say that, that that's actually a school, like a school of thought, like a yeah. way that yeah. yeah, just thinking of, of creation really at all times and never, and never 
there's also when as a when I was a professor and when I studied um, at UCF in family communication, there's actually a, a form of communication that only uses action verbs. So you never say I am a professor or I am an agency owner. You say I lead a marketing team. So you you only use verbs. You never use any form of naming or nouns for anything. And some people actually do this all the time. And um, but that was was something that I you know opens your mind to like instead of saying. Like, this is a, st a static, fixed thing. Think of it as what is, because nothing really is, right? You're not, right. you aren't, you know, you can change anything and you can decide that, you know, you want to go and move somewhere or do anything else. So it's the idea that everything is a verb. Everything is what are you doing now? And it helps with conflict resolution too, because you never call names, call somebody names. You just say, I'm experiencing your words as, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, you talk about how you experience things that are happening rather than that's wild. I mean, that it's, it's, it's a little bit connected to, you know, how I was taught coming up. I was a, uh, I was a newspaper reporter in my earliest life as a professional. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the big things they teach you, um, I mean, they teach you this through school and everything else, but you, they, they kind of hammer it into your brain as a reporter, your editor does, uh, to avoid, um, passive voice, you know, right. when you're writing in it, cause yeah. it's, cause it's weak and you know, mm -hmm. it is, uh, it has its moments, but it's, you know, you, you avoid, you know, has been, has done, right. has, has, you know, will do, you know, I'm doing, no, I'm doing, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do, you know, I'm doing this thing instead of I'm going to do this thing or I, uh, or what have you. And, um, this sort of closes the loop on that. Yeah. It actually, it actually activates it in, in real yeah. life as opposed yeah. to what, how you're communicating. Yeah. And another element of that is not ever saying people do this or people do that because you're not, you don't know what people do and you can't take, take that choice. This is another landmark thing is you say, uh, instead of, you know, people do this, you say, I feel this way. You always have to take responsibility for what you're trying to say. So when I go to the store, I like to buy um, whole milk, <laughs> not just like people like whole milk or everybody does this, you know, cause it's like, just talk about you, talk about your own human experience and don't ever use the third person about like generalizing. Cause it's, or you can say, you know, it's kind of focusing on what actually is happening, not on what you assume that the world is doing. That's fascinating. There was a, um, uh, one of uh, the most famous uh, golf instructional books it was written yeah. by Bobby Jones back in the thirties. Mm -hmm. And he went out of his way to title it. Uh, and they had an argument with the editor about it too, because it's, it's not how to play golf. It says yeah. how, how yeah. I play golf. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, he really went out of his way to put it that way because it's like, I can't tell you yeah. how to go do it. I can yeah. tell you the way I do it and the way I learned it and, and what I thought was important from the teachers I've known. Um, and you know, Add to that, I've had a little success in right. this, uh, so maybe it means something to you. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. I like that. Um, so how do how do you uh, how how did you put that to work in your earliest career? Where where do you go from from uh, being a, a kid of a father who's who's uh, an entrepreneurial sales um, success to uh, to getting out there in the world and starting your own thing? Mm -hmm. Well, it was. Um definitely a long uh, time and it wasn't, I didn't go straight into entrepreneur 
um, activities that I also I don't usually recommend that people do because I think um, that the the year or two of experience at an agency or a company gives you so much frame of reference for dealing with clients that it's so much better than just kind of having living in your own bubble. So um, I and I do think a lot of the stuff, a lot of the varied experiences that I had uh, help with everything I do now. Um, so I went I, a whole bunch of different things, but um, worked with a big nonprofit in DC. Um, then for many years, I was, um, I worked in the training department and safety department of United Airlines Express in, in DC. So I did um, interviewing pilots, doing, I did training, I'd fly all over and train everybody. Um, and I was like, I was very young at the time, I was about 20. And so I had to, they at that time introduced the idea of sexual harassment and so that th th you weren't allowed to do that <laughs> there was laws <laughs> so i had to go i had to fly to all of our all of our airports and meet with the pilots who are mostly ex-military and explain this to them so right. i had to like, go and say like hey you can say that her shirt is nice but you can't say that she looks nice in her shirt oh, <laughs> i had wow. to explain all these things that have and so I, I always would tell that story when i became a public speaking professor like that was my trial by fire because it was a hostile act environment. They were not excited about this girl telling them they couldn't do these things anymore. <laughs> and I had to get them all to listen to the video and ask me questions and sign. And, and I did both safety training and that kind of training. So um, right. that, that was fun. And then, right. um, yeah. And then when my kids were born, I wanted to have more flexibility. So at first I ended up working with the same company, um, the airline, to do all of, I would edit all of their, I'm very good at editing and writing. So I edited all of their safety documents for the FAA. So I, like it was a, after the kids went to bed at night for hours, I would, you know, fix all this stuff and make it look the way it was supposed to look. <laughs> so, um, and then I was, then I kind of the bug got me for entrepreneur um, activities. And I started an eBay business where I did that for 10 years. Um, and I would, by the end of it, I was actually buying inventory from like Macy's by the truckload and selling it. I had a team, I had a warehouse and I also would, um, four companies sell for them. So I would actually go and like get their entire inventory and put it all on eBay for them and then, um, get a percentage of that. So that was, um, that long, a lot of years of entrepreneur activities. That's interesting because that's that's a whole different kind of a you know like it, it, the definition of entrepreneur is is sort of wide and varied. I'm finding because yeah. uh, you have you have one idea of what it is uh, when you get started. Like I, I worked for a company. Um, I, I used to describe it as a uh, one of the survivors of the dot com bubble uh, because they were sort of a dot com business, but they um, they actually did something. They had a service and, and profits and all that. So they survived all that. Um, and so the way they ran their shop was sort of a very startup kind of mentality. So it was, you know, the way you acted in the office was, was that way there were, you know, yeah. uh, games and TVs and stuff that were, you know, sort of hot open plan uh, yeah. office space at the time. And, um, and that's what I thought. I thought, oh, well, that's so that's what like entrepreneur was. Yeah. That's what startup was. Um, and it had that attitude of like, you know, don't don't let's not have a meeting to talk about how to fix something. Let's just go fix it. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. And, um, you know, but then there are all sorts of other things like you talk about an eBay business. That's like, OK, that's I want to buy and sell stuff. OK, yeah. see what we can do, you know. But, but when you started with that, was that really what made you want to start with that kind of a business? 
I, I just realized I'm very good at knowing a lot of what's popular and really I was it was kind of a drive to interest in fashion that started it and I just realized like I'm really good at finding things that are worth a lot more so arbitrage like finding something that's worth one price here that's worth a lot more in another place so a lot of it was international so I would buy like watches and sell them to Brazilians or um, or Disney pins and sell them to people in Japan who collected them so it was a lot of like things that you can't get in one place opening up different and it always changed. And that's kind of a, that would definitely be a theme of my career over time is variety, like things that have a lot of, like you learn a whole lot about a bunch of different things and dive into them. And I love that. That's something I I actually decided in junior high that I wanted to know a whole lot about almost everything enough to talk about it intelligently. And it's, that's kind of marketing agency is the perfect world for that. Cause it's like, okay, now I'm going to know all about business formations. And that's one of my clients, you know, and I know everything about that now. And you, you get deeper and deeper into stuff and it's actually, they all work, everything serendipitously connects and works together. And I always find like one thing leads to another when you're, you know, open and, um, engage in things. And, and I also just try to keep out things that are not positive and people, you know, if there's things that are, cause you know, one bad client or one bad partner can make so much of a drag on your mental state and your thinking time and you're writing emails and all these things to try to deal with the troubles. And so I just try to keep everything and everybody in the sphere, you know, positive and with a similar attitude of creation. Well, that's, I was going to say, that's the creation thing is, is that's your, you're sort of establishing that you're establishing, you're establishing the rules of engagement, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. this is how we're going to do it. This is the attitude we're going to have. And we're going to, you know, and if you're, if you're not, if you're not with us, it's like, that's okay. You can go yeah. Yeah, do your thing over there. <laughs> find, some, find someplace else to go do that. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, and, and I like that idea of, of how you said, um, you know, I feel about this and I, I feel this way about this is how I feel about it. And it really sort of, it, sort of, it, it, it decharges it from, um, from being, um, you know, it, it's not about me telling you what to do. It's, it is about me telling you, you know, how it's worked for me. Yeah. And I, I think this has been, you know, you might find this valuable as a yeah. result. So that's, right. that's, that's really wild. So, um, and you mentioned you were talking about how at um, at the in the airline business you were you were doing you were interviewing and you were training, right. which I think is I find that sort of two sides of the same coin. You're you're interviewing, you're collecting information, and training, you're sharing or information or communicating outward mm-hmm. to somebody else, um, which is a, which is you know with the marketing world is just all about really mm. all about just communicating well and clearly um how did you make the move uh because you you said you were a professor too at one point so yeah uh, yes. uh, so the big the big um you know lightning bolt in my life that kind of changed everything so i had been doing the ebay thing for about um 10 years and then um but i realized at the time you know i i really loved school i really loved having a working with a team and I wanted to get something more of a resume builder because you don't you know it was 10 years that was it was great I learned a lot but it wasn't really building towards anything um so I wanted to get more into back into marketing and writing and I used a lot of those skills in my business like creating splash pages and websites that drove affiliate traffic and all different types of uh, email marketing so I've been marketing my own business and I realized 
I loved doing that. And um, so at the time, of course, this was 11 years ago when my husband passed away. That's when I realized it's like I need to create something more lasting and more solid that I can have as a business that, that will sustain me and my children long term. Right. So um, the, I first of, I had, um, hadn't finished my degree yet. I had, I had paused college. Um, so I decided to go ahead and finish it. Um, and communication at UCF. And then I loved it so much. And my professor recommended that I enter, um, you know, become uh, associate, become an instructor while going to, to get my master's degree. So um, I did that and I wrote my thesis. I won thesis of the year for my thesis on um, blogger identity and um, it was focused on, on widowhood. And then I um, ended up teaching there for a couple of years. And while I was doing all of that, I started my agency. So I, I had a couple of small clients at the time um, and mostly restaurant type things. And um, so I, I was trying to keep it minimal because I was also teaching and getting my degree for a while. So um, there was a bunch of, a lot of years where the agency was building up. And at the time, I thought that to have security for my family and to have, I had to have insurance and I had to have a job and I had to know exactly how much money I was getting every month. So I was really, after I graduated, I was very focused on getting a job. So mm -hmm. I was like, I need, I, now that I'm the sole provider, I must have a job. So I, I got, um, I did. And I, so I gave up my agency and my teaching to become the head of marketing at Hello, uh, Florida. It's Hello Destination Management Company. It's the largest um, DMC in America. And it, we have branches all over the country. And it does, uh, they, what we would do was large corporate events um, for things like the Microsoft convention with 10,000 people and bringing in Katy Perry to sing or, and then we would do smaller events um, all over the country. Um, so I would get to, as the marketer, I got to go and like experience those things and cover them and take pictures and tell stories to write the blog and to share with people what the company did. So I was there for about four years and I loved it. It was, I, it was my dream job. I loved the people. I loved the, you know, getting dressed up and going to events and traveling. And um, it was really great. Um, but I became aware through my now husband of the world of being a digital nomad and wanted to be able to travel and work. So I wrote a big proposal for my company because I was I was supported the entire nation and there was really nothing tied to Florida. And right. I said, hey, how about if I go remote and I'll just, you know, I'll be wherever, but I'll still work the same hours. I'll still be online. I'll do everything. And they were like, nope, everyone must sit in the chair <laughs> from 830 to 530 every single day, which COVID has shown us that that is not necessarily the case. <laughs> That's but, an interesting. That's a whole yeah. can of worms to talk yeah. about there because yeah. it's it's uh, I, I've been of the same mind for a long time is is um in in my agency experience um i've i've been you know it, it, we're all communicating electronic i mean literally to the point of of, of sort of instant messaging across the office space yeah. yeah um so why would we have to be in the same room all right. the time and yeah. uh and you run into people who are just like nope 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 you have yeah. to be why are you here you're not you know and yeah. they have that uh you know why would i pay you a new york salary if you're not in new york all the time right um, so it's, I, I don't, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's, it has changed quite a bit, but there's still people hanging on to this idea. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think it makes sense for certain careers. And I also think in-person is very vital and helps you build relationships mm -hmm. and create them, Absolutely. but you can maintain them and you can do work together remotely all the time. So I, I do have in-person meetings with clients that I schedule and make a point of, but I don't think that I, I can do my work anywhere. So it's just a matter of scheduling. Um, yeah. so it's not, it, it 
and the fear, I was very afraid of jump, leaving this safe job and, and jumping to being an entrepreneur. And I asked a lot of advice. And right. one thing that I would tell is like, just have more clients than you need, right? Just it, don't, don't go to the, <laughs> don't get the exact amount of clients you need to pay your bills, get more than that. So if one or two, you know, people, things go away, things, they hire an in-house person, they do, things happen. And so that you're not ever dependent on, oh my gosh, if I lose this client, I'm going to be destitute, right? So just having, and then as it's grown, it's just gotten more and more to where now I have a full team supporting and because um, it just kept growing and growing naturally through referral. So, right. um, but that was one of the best pieces of advice that really gave me the security to go out on my own was just like having more clients than I need and building that up so that it's not... Um, yeah, that takes away some of the fear, and it is kind of like you're so afraid of losing the salary. But then, like when you go off on your own, you, you may, I'm making four times as much as I was as the head of marketing for a big company. So right. it's like, why, you know, why was I so scared, and why did I wait so long? Right. Well, that's that's a, you. You raise an interesting question too, and you and you you, you kind of toss it off a little bit there, though. This this idea of having more clients than you need. Right. Uh, that's a challenge for a lot of us out there, especially when I was starting is, is I had, I had a hand, I had a couple of like big business clients yeah. that sort of made it possible to, to do this thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, okay, now let's go, you know, sort of get more of those and yeah. some of the smaller ones and some of the local ones and try yeah. and kind of mix it up. So I'm, uh, so I'm diversified and uh, maintaining those, keeping those and kind of convincing them that they need me. Yeah. Um, was a hard thing to get started. How did you, how did you deal with that? Um, partnering with other agencies was one of the best things. So a lot of other agencies would do things like PR or, um, you know, more of the ad focused things and didn't want to do social, but all their clients wanted social. Mm -hmm. So they would bring me in as a partner, which often just white labeled under their company. Right. But, um, so a lot of, and then all these other agencies referred me to other ones. So it kind of became a, you know, Call Sunshine if you need social media. Yeah. <laughs> so that became the and um, I work really well with other you know team members and I like being a part of a group. So it's not um, you know as long as the biggest thing is respecting who owns the client. So I never ever ever doing anything secret or you know direct without copying in the the, the main the primary. Yeah. Um, but that's been something that really helped me grow over time was um, having several agency partners that trust me with specific things and then trying when they need things and they ask me if I can do it, I'll figure it out. Right. And I'll, okay, you want Facebook ads? I can do that. And now that's become kind of my primary thing. Um, one of my, the biggest thing they do is a lot of really high level writing for like entire websites for tech companies. I wrote a website for the Pope. Um, so really like big, big intense websites. And then, um, a, a lot of, um, Facebook ads. Is the other how thing. did, how did that one come about? Uh, I have an agency partner that was one of my first clients and he just, he's a, an amazing networker and has a lot of different types of people who, um, and when the Pope had a foundation, has a foundation that for uh, education uh -huh. and they needed it written up. So, and I had done one for the UN as well with, with that and um, like the black women's chamber of commerce, lots of, you know, you never know. And it's so much fun because it's like, now I know everything about you know, how the chamber of commerce works or what kind of, what, what did this new type of um, UN agency partner thing that you can, how you can get funding for it, you know, just all different. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's really just being open and seeing connections. And then one right. thing has led to another. And for me, it's been figuring out what works and then grow, creating things around that, that make it, um, make it really work, make it 
scale. Right. Well, I think this this is where this is where you and I cross over a little bit as we um, we do that sort of high, real high end, high quality content hmm. where you're um, you're not. It's not just the sort of SEO blog right. content that people are preaching about to get more traffic all the time. It's, this is actually, no, this is your cornerstone brand story. What are you trying to communicate? What do you mean to other people kind of stuff that, um, you know, it's funny depending on the client, the clients who really understand it and get it, can't get enough of it. They love it. And the the clients who, who don't get it just really don't get it. Yeah. And I often actually work with brand experts like yourself too, and they will create, the, they'll do the brand exercise and the brand story. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't, and even visually and all of that. Um, and I sometimes collaborate in that. A lot of times they'll do the visual part and I'll do the verbal part, mm-hmm. but, um, or, or they'll just give me like, here's a brand story. And I've had plenty of clients who just give me their deck and it's like a hundred pages. Right. This is how we say, this is what we do. And then I take it and, and translate it into several different types of things mm-hmm. and make sure that that, thing is being carried out in every aspect of what they're creating. So it's, it, it isn't, um, I don't think, I never think of anybody as like competition or anything. Cause it's kind of like, no. oh, I, I also like that stuff is so intense and so time consuming that it's yeah. very hard to do in addition to all the other things I'm doing. So for me, if I am going to do a, like a website or a brand thing, I even have to do it on the weekends because it, it just shut down because I can't have I can't also do all the other stuff I do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. It's really hard. I, I did one um, last week where I sat with a client and did the the whole sort of brand story exercise that I do. Mm-hmm. And I came out of it, you know, did a first thing in the morning okay. and, and came out yeah. of it. And I had a call with somebody else who wanted something similar. And I was on for an hour and a half talking about that, uh, not actually doing the exercise, just talking right. about the potential of doing the exercise. And by the afternoon, I was just utterly exhausted. Yeah. I was like, how oh, I forgot how, how, how hard this is on me. To yeah. do. Uh, get, but joy, joyously, though, joyously, yeah. joyously, um, exhausted, you know, it's yeah. like satisfying to be that tired, having done something that feels so, um, you know, complete and satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Um, so you got into, um, sort of marketing and, and social yeah. media and all that doing events. And then, and then. Yeah. So I went out on my own with my Yeah. Right after. And because of the desire to be a digital nomad. Yeah. And so I've got my agency marketing sunshine is very broad. So it's got, I have um, things that are, I consider my specialty to be translating technical topics into human language. So when <laughs> things are like really esoteric tech, stuff and you need to make humans get it. I actually taught a class at UCF on that topic, which is like how to make humans understand you're talking. <laughs> and it was for tech, like engineers and med students who just, well, they would do, they'd give you decks that were just a bunch of numbers. And I was like, nobody cares. <laughs> you have to talk, talk like a human. So um, that's, that's been a big, a lot of the tech work has come through that, um, right. but it's a huge variety and it's, you know, restaurants, um, hotels, the, and then a lot of this, the tech stuff, um, just pretty much every possible type of company. Um, and then I, I got a hotel client about five years ago and just fell in love with that industry and realized that because we could, we could look at the Google analytics and we could see exactly how much money we were making for them on all these different things we were doing. 
So every month we would show them all the numbers and how many fans and like, and then we'd be like, and here's the money page. And this is where we show you that like on Facebook, we made you this much on, then we realized that so much of the money was coming from email marketing with, um, so we started really building um, customer lists and starting to help them grow their lists and then making the emails very impactful and actionable. And um, we were like, why don't we just not get people to pay us retainers? It was my partner, Trudy and I, um, came up with this idea at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, let's, you know, just have them pay us a percentage of what we make them on these emails that we sent. So we have several, we, and we just loved the whole hotel world and we really knew that we could, that what we were doing was working. So we started a separate company, Sunshine Gals, which is focused on hotel marketing. And we do some of them, some companies do pay us a retainer. That's what they, they just want to have controllable, um, you know, monthly expenditures, but a lot of them do um, either a hybrid or an all commission model where we just um, are tied into their, their back end and we can tell them exactly how much we make them and we just get a percentage of that. So that's, I really, that's really, that. that's, that's where it is though. I mean, yeah. I've, I've said, I've worked on projects for, you know, some big companies and I see how much they made as a result of this project. I'm like, yeah. I should have charged them a percentage. Yeah. If there's a way <laughs> to do it, it's very, it's very lucrative. And it's also really exciting because it's like, you know, you know, every month you're, you're, it goes up and up and up as you get better and learn it. And well, um, and it's, yeah. And it's all based on your expertise too. So yeah. it's, 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 when you do it that way, it's, you know, what you make is based on how good you are. Yeah. And if you're good at it, you do well. Right. And it was a really good sell during the pandemic because people didn't have marketing budgets. They, they fired their marketing agencies and didn't have any ability to pay us as an agency, a monthly retainer, but they could, <laughs> they could pay us a percentage. And it actually turned out that in Florida, you know, in the beginning, it sounded like, oh my gosh, Armageddon, we're never going to sell another hotel room. But that very quickly became not the case. It was a May, most of the hotels reopened and just started booming in Florida. Yeah. So it was, um, they, there was a lot of fear and a lot of ups and downs, but overall it kept, it was, it's been up and up and up ever since Fantastic. happened. So um, it, it was a really good model to start at that, at that time. Mm -hmm. out. You know, it seemed, it seemed scary to, but it actually was perfect for the moment. So, wow. So you got, you got, but you had, you had something else going on. Yeah. So there's yeah. a third business that we started during, during another, it is like, has been a lot of blessings coming from the, you know, silver linings through this entire experience. Right. Um, so when this is a really great story, actually, um, in last July, my uh, husband and I, who's my fancy then, we both got COVID and he got it. Um, we got Delta um, and we were both vaccinated and, and we both, we were like one of the first breakthrough cases. Um, and it was like, we thought we were fine. We just got, you know, we're vaccinated, but no. So um, he got it and then I got it, but he got it very bad. And he was out of work for at least a month and couldn't, you know, couldn't sit up, couldn't walk. It just Ouch. completely wiped. Yeah. So um, we were researching all these different things. We're both really into longevity and supplements and health. And we found a uh, um, hyperbaric chamber. And so he did that in Orlando where you get extreme oxygen and yeah. it's supposed to really help. So it did help. And then we were at our home in Utah and tried to find something. And we found this, this um, local person who ended up having it in his garage. So like Gabriel went over there and got, in the chamber and felt better and that was great so we had we but they really hit it off and we had them over for dinner and um it's a couple named mark and april and they um after a while we were like we just really like them we like we have a lot of shared interests and i was like so what do you do you know what's your job and he was like 
he said he, he's the CEO of this company here in Utah that is um, called ERC Specialists, and they help companies get um, employee retention credit, which is a refund of your payroll taxes paid during the pandemic. So um, he was telling me what they were doing and how they work with affiliates. So they have like um, CPAs and accountants who have their own book of business who sell the, who connect people with this and then they get a percentage of the credits they get for companies. So mm-hmm. the um, it's like the PPP and the EIDL, but people don't know about it because right. at first you couldn't get it if you've gotten PPP and you also had to have, it was like very restrictive, but they've opened it up. And so it's much more available to pretty much any company with a W-2 employee. So right. we heard him talking about this and I was like, oh my gosh, you should hire me to do your marketing and to help you with this because I have another client that is in a very similar space and I know exactly how to do this. I know exactly what you need to do. So if, and at first I was like, I want to help you market it. But then I was like, no, I want to do this myself. So, yeah. um, so I was like, I want to, I want to use all these skills, all of this, my Facebook ads, um, you know, content, website, everything, to make to become an affiliate of this company and to become somebody who drives and who sends them customers. So, um, I immediately, this is how I work. I like that day, I made a website. I signed up as an affiliate. I got a bank account. I got, a, you know, I got a whole system around this and started doing Facebook ads to drive people um, to get them to sign up. And so we've now gotten, I think, probably 3,000 people um, signed up that we're, and we now have a team of three different um, sales. It's not really sales because what we're, we're, we're just helping them get the credits, but right. we're asking them to choose our company do that um and through facebook and linkedin and twitter ads um i'm driving people to this and so we've helped companies in america like american small businesses so far nine million dollars in credits that they've gotten through our team um and then my dad came out of retirement to work with us um and we call them the whales when we get like huge companies that have uh, you know and there are people that are his age range it's great for him to talk to them and be like look i've I've got you. <laughs> so, and, and what you know, happens? Did these, these companies had no idea they were able to do this, or and, yeah, and people are getting like one and a half million dollars or two million dollars, and they don't even it's money they had zero idea they could get. So, um, and it's it, like and free it, money. It, yeah, it is. It, I mean, we're not. It's, it's basically a refund of money you've already paid. So it isn't right. necessarily. Right. It's not like they're just giving you a check. It's just that you don't have to. They're taking away your obligation of payroll taxes right. if you kept people on because they're trying to reward companies for keeping right. their employees. So it's um and and so it's life changing for many of these companies we're working with little restaurants, sometimes churches, um Fantastic. janitor companies. Um then we now we've gotten in with a whole bunch of transportation companies and then they refer, they keep they tell their friends and then they all come to us. Well it's really it's really cool to me it sounds like it's 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 you're you're making it making that connection, making it possible or making it easier for this policy to work the way it's supposed to work. Right. right? You yeah, know, it it's like, cool. you know, we, we all like to criticize government programs and how, how, you know, unthoughtful they are sometimes. But, um, in this case, you have a situation where you can actually look, all we need to do is connect you to the people that, that know how to make it work and it right, works right. For you the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool. I think that's it's just awesome. exposing people to it is half the battle because it's, yeah. just- they just don't know what it is and they think it's fake or something. It's like, no, here's the IRS page that tells what it is and what you need no, to do. No, it's a real deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's and using wild. a lot of, and I love that kind of writing too. I've been, I've now for the mothership, which is here in Utah, I write all of their content and their blog and their, and we did explainer videos and cause we're trying to help people understand it's very, very complicated. And so I'm doing my 
same thing, which is like taking this complex language and making it human understanding. Well, it's so an educator. It down. Yeah, I mean, you're an educator, really. I mean, you're, a, you're in, a, in a lot of ways, we boil it right down. Well, wait, let me ask you, if you boiled it right down to describe yourself and what you do and why, why what you do is important into just a couple of sentences, what would you say? Hmm, that's um, not, I haven't thought of that much, but I, I like not to put you on the spot. Right. No, well, I, I, the, first, the word that comes to mind is enthusiasm. So I like to like shine a light on things that, that are exciting and that are opportunities and that are, that people would love to take advantage of and matching the right people with the right type of opportunities. That's really what it is across the board. Cause it was Facebook right. ads. It's like, okay. I know these type of people want this type of thing, so I'm going to tell them about it. <laughs> it's right. like, that's not, that's, you're just matching the right people with the right things and, and, a, and sharing enthusiasm for it. Cause I think that's, I, I have to fall in love with my clients. I, I don't, if people are cold or mean or harsh or like just very money driven and don't really care about people, I'm just not going to be able to connect with them in a way that can, tell their story but if I really get where they're coming from either that the product is really cool like a hotel is really awesome and this is exciting and for for the hotels it's like we're giving people the peak 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 experience of their year that they look forward to all year long that they're going to get to go on vacation and I'm like I love that I'm lighting people up with this hope so that's the vision of that but then for others it's like even if it's a boring product, if the people are great and they're using the money they're making to help or to lift up their employees or to donate to a great cause, I have to see something that it involves meaning behind it in order to really get excited and to, to do a great job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really, you're really connected to, and this is what I, I talk about a lot with my people as well is, is this, this, the human story, the human component of what you're doing. Uh, Cause that's what connects people to things. Right. And, um, and if, if they're not, if they, if they don't have that, that, you know, sort of emotive, emotional connection to something, um, they're not enthusiastic about it. They don't connect to it. They're not, they're not likely to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they, when they're connected, yeah, that's, they're excited about it and they want to go yeah. do it. So that's cool. Um, so back to the digital nomad idea, where, where's, um, you know, cause you are, you travel a lot. You're kind of yes. all over the place. What, what, what does home look like, feel like to you? Well, now that we have made it to homes, that's even stranger because it used to be like Orlando was the base. And then we would go all over the world for about four or five months a year. Mm-hmm. And then during the pandemic, we, well, we wanted, we loved the West and the West really lit us up. So we, and we like to ski and hike and be out in the mountains. So now we have a home in Utah and another home in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And then probably three or four months we'll, we'll go overseas as well. Mm-hmm. So it's um, a bit more in flux, but it's still the ability to go, you know, because a lot of digital nomads just get rid of their home completely and live out of a suitcase. Right. And I, that's not something that really appeals to us, especially because of all the equipment that it requires. Like right. what are you going to do with all your ski clothes and your summer clothes and your, you know, and all that stuff. Right. Um, and it's nice to have a base. So yeah, we, right. we, um, we have our two bases and then from there go kind of base different times of year, um, mostly to Europe. Right. Cool. So we're, um, you've been to all these places you've traveled um more than i have uh so i'm curious about this sort of thing where 
uh, I, I like to talk about there's there's like a handful of places I've been in my life where I, if I could move there tomorrow, I would. Mm. Um, what you know, is there a place that's like, you know, oh, this is my heart. This place is this is this, this place is the place where if, if I could be there any instant of any day, that's where I go. Yes. And, and now, however, I have to caveat that it's not, I wouldn't necessarily want to live there because of the degree of lawlessness that goes on. Um, I love Italy more than anything else, but I, I really researched moving there and I was planning on it. Right. And then I found out that like, you have to bribe somebody to get a driver's license. Like you can't just like, I, I'm very direct. I want to be able to do the things and, you know, get things right. accomplished. And it's just not very organized there to where I would want to live there. However, right. anytime I can go to Italy, I want to. And I think right. that the number one, like if it's your 50th birthday or your anniversary, or I, I often tell people go to the Amalfi coast. Because that is just heaven on earth. Like, you know, the island of Capri and the Ravello and all the different little towns on the coast of southern Italy. That's my like dream fairyland where I really want to go again. And every time I talk about it, I want to go. It looks like a fairy. I, I have not been, but it was my dad's, one of my dad's favorite places on earth. And and he was just, he he was a very good amateur photographer. And mm -hmm. I, I have collections of photos that make it feel like I was there yeah it's on my it's, it's on my short list of places to visit yeah I mean there's a lot of things but it's like you haven't been yet and you like that's what I would recommend starting with and my, my dad that was my first trip I ever took with Gabriel my husband and we were talking to my dad he's like oh should we go to Paris what should we do he's like no the supermodel of the world is the Amalfi Coast go there if you can go anywhere go there and I say that a lot now too because it's like it's um and now you know it used to be at that time I was in a full-time job so I couldn't do the remote thing so we, that was just a trip but yeah. now we my dream of my was to go and spend time in Florence so we did a whole month in Florence um in 2020 in the beginning and um that's that's still one thing one of the keys to digital nomadism that I really love is um so we keep use eastern standard time nine to five wherever we go so here in Utah, we work from seven to three. That's cool. We get a longer afternoon and we get to go to the gym and go biking and hiking and you, and do other things. California is a little, you know, even just one, one more hour shifted. But in Europe, when we're there, we get up at eight and go have a full day of touring and museums and you can take a train. We took a train to Pisa one day and got to see the dumb tower and, you know, you can do all these cool things. And then we get back to work and we work from three to 11 there. So you're still... So every day you have eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work and eight hours to do something else. Right. And, and when we're, when we're doing our digital nomad love, those eight hours are really amazing. <laughs> and you have like almost a, it's like a real vacation. Plus you're still getting able, being able to work. So that's kind of one of the, the time zone shifting is one of the keys to making it really great. Fantastic. And it won't work in places like Thailand and uh, Australia and New Zealand because it's not, you can't really do it's that. It's tricky when it's 12 hours off. It's, yeah. it's difficult. I know I've, I've dealt with, because uh, we've had, um, you know, people who have done, I mean, quite literally for us overnight work, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, coding and whatever. Yeah, Philippines, right. We work with a lot of people in the Philippines. And and it's, it's, it never works out as well as you think it's going to work. Yeah. Well, you can meet <laughs> with them when it's like 11 p.m. for them and 8 a.m. for you. And that's yeah. the only time that you can both be. <laughs> it takes it takes a real um, committed couple of personalities to make it yeah. work well. You need a wrangler. Yeah. Right. Like a person to wrangle the relationship because you right. can't like talk to them during your awake hours. But, right. You're, you can't talk case, to the whole team. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we figured like it, we could go as east as far east as like Prague and as far west as California, and probably not much more than that, and keep yeah. this particular way of doing it. Well, then the rest of the and that other side of the world is you know visits and not yeah work, yeah it's trips. like time off and actually yeah yeah but that's good that's great well hey this this has been uh, awesome and I got to tell you that your name really does suit you I have to say thank you. It's uh, and it's just your perspective. It's like wow, you know the way you, the way you talk about shining light on things. I was like, okay, that's just too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and hopefully we can collaborate soon. I hope to. It'd be great. I'd love that. So that was Sunshine Woodyard. Her name suits her. And we had a great conversation. And I cut out a small part where we discussed crisis communications and made it a separate short episode for our Patreon site. Subscribe there if you'd like to hear it uh, and or support what we're doing here. Uh, there are some other special little tidbits over there as well, and I'm sure you'll enjoy them too. Uh, as for today, uh, I hope you enjoyed Sunshine and her perspective. Uh, I did. Uh, and that's the show today. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the StoryForge podcast and embracing the idea that making things matters, give us a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever it is you listen to these things. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, interviewing, scheduling, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces a number of other great podcasts, including the wonderful A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. Music for the program is from the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And if you like the work we're doing, please share the StoryForge link far and wide and tell all your friends about us. You can always send us questions or suggestions to our email at cheers at thestoryforge.com. That's the storyforge separated by hyphens, friends. Uh, or support us on our new Patreon site. Um, you can learn more at patreon.com slash makingthingsmatters. Or just drop by our store on the website at thestoryforge.com. Uh, again, that's the storyforge separated by hyphens.com. And click the shop link at the top of the page. We're adding new things to the store all the time. Thanks for listening. Just what you Lights will guide you.